Welcome back to the show, where we talk about shows with our friends. It's great to have you friends back with us as we talk about a new show that Eli chose. The End of the Fucking World, available on Netflix. So Eli, you chose this show, so you take it away. I did. I chose this new show for us and all our friends out there watching and listening along. And this is a show that I was excited to put on my list because it is not only an original uh, British, UK-based show, which we both love, but this is a very interesting and different show that deals with a lot in a short amount of time. And I think in the same way that Atlanta is a very unique way of storytelling, this show has a very specific and somewhat unique way of storytelling. And we really get introduced to that very quickly in this pilot episode. It comes in at a brief 18 minutes, I believe, which is mind-boggling after watching it. And this show is not a show I knew anything about, Steve. It popped up on Netflix one day. I pressed play, and the rest is history. And now here we are, having just watched the pilot to the end of the fucking world. We get introduced to our main characters and one or two others, mostly our main characters. And it is a wild ride from go to some degree. But before I say too much else about the end of the fucking world, Steve, I'm really, really curious what you thought about this very brief but action-packed pilot. Yes, I do think for sure they packed a lot into, it is hard to believe that that was 18 minutes. I was sort of living in the... 22 20 at least like 24 25 minute range but it it uh that's what i thought it was anyway i wasn't paying too much attention so to hear that it was 18 is impressive and interesting i definitely hadn't really seen anything like this and initially when the two kids got together i got a real like harold and maude sort of vibe from this as like if that were to be adapted into a TV show even though it's just totally different and there's not like an older younger relationship here but the the lead actor gave off a real bud court vibe and his energy was um he was very watchable and and interesting yeah um this crossed a kind of rubicon for me personally with what i like and dislike in my tv watching and i don't generally like watching a psycho killer as the protagonist of a story. It's like I never got into Dexter. It's just like a it's for me, it's just uninteresting the journey of somebody who wants to murder people and things. Like I'm just not really with that. Um, the tone and the sort of black comedy nature of this show allowed me to sort of suppress that to a certain degree. Or, or it helped with that to a certain degree. And the the young ladies, the co-star or co-lead, um, 
could almost say like impact character because she really like is driving a lot of sort of what happens in the pilot yeah story wise um inciting character she uh in her plight or dilemma in her home life yeah and her effect on him and her sort of choosing him and just her world really kind of captured me and allowed me to kind of get interested in this and you know i'm not shying away from watching the next two but it for me there would need to be a shift in in the focus of what's driving this story because i don't know if i can hang with like a psycho killer and his desire to like murder another main character i just it's never been something i've been interested i need the I need the team or the guy who's like going after. <laughs> I need the psychology of like the person who's onto the psycho killer and going after them. Then I get really like wrapped up. Yeah. But when it's just the killer, it's it to me. It's a little kind of just obtuse. Yeah. Well, it is. It is important to uh, to point out that James is not a killer yet. Okay. As far as criminally. Um, or human beings, or human beings. Um, certainly, That's a good point. we get a a pretty, you know, a pretty good visual on a lot of animals he's purported to have killed, um, which of course is a common behavior um, often in young males, both ones that turn out to uh, be violent, potentially killers, uh, and not. Uh, but I think it is important to realize that these are two kids. Uh, mm. And so I think you're certainly meant to be on edge and they really start painting this picture of him uh, as this psycho killer to some degree. Um, but as of yet, we have no evidence that this character has the fortitude or desire to take a human life. Um, so I think... Uh, of course, we will, you know, continue to watch and see as the story unfolds. Um, but I think definitely, you know, holding that and certainly her effect on him and her interesting story um, in mind, I think this is uh, a wild ride of a collision of things. Um, but him, I think labeling him as a killer is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, you know, he's he's a teenage boy who his inner monologue seems to be <laughs> pretty murdery, but uh, he's yet to actually commit any serious crimes. And seemingly when he punches his dad and steals his car, that's probably the most punishable uh, outward offense he's ever committed. Right. Um, he's actually a pretty demure kid who ser got some serious mental stuff going on for sure. Yeah, that's a great point, and it does sort of take you on the edge and take you through this process, this journey of him, and it's whether or not he he certainly doesn't follow through on it in the pilot. It leaves you with the question of, like, is he going to follow through on this desire or plan or statement that he's sort of proclamation that he's made that he's going to do this? Yeah. And for me, it's cool to explore this show with you on this podcast, because I am pretty certain I wouldn't have kept, I wouldn't have watched beyond this pilot if it wasn't for this podcast and 
our commitment to watch the first three episodes before we sort of make a decision one way or another. So for me, the his the question of like, is he going to murder or not mur- murder? I don't know if it was going to be enough for me to continue watching play. Although Netflix right. certainly does make it extremely tempting to just keep watching, and it, this one was the most difficult one to stop <laughs> and not see at least the opening image of the second episode. Sure. Um, and maybe that has to do with how quickly the episode happened and then ended and then yeah, then rolled into the next one. But um, yeah, in this day and age, it's hard to say you wouldn't, you know, at least watch a couple when they stream so quickly like this. But I'm not, you know, I'm not totally certain I would have. Truly, yeah. And it is great to also find these, you know, spaces where certainly... We have a lot of overlap um, and also varied tastes in shows. And I loved Dexter and watched. Well, actually, to be honest, I I didn't watch the new, new one when they like came back um, in the last couple of years, but did watch the whole original series. Um, do find uh, the psychology, you know, behind these outliers of human nature, um, be it psychotics or whatever else is sort of uh, pointed to to explain why uh, a human would murder other humans and especially repeatedly and in patterns, right? So um, there is a huge fascination with this, as we know. Um, And while it's not something I seek there's certainly people who love CSI, you know, that kind of um, deep, deep crime, uh, intense psychological show. I don't watch any of that. Uh, I did love Dexter, and I can get into a show that is focused on the lead character's uh, mental state and questioning sort of the... Um, living within the bounds of what we consider moral. Dexter is great because it uh, it's all like around this moral question of, but if he's killing serial killers, is it okay? Of course, right, yeah. You know, I don't think they're attempting to justify killing. And as we said in this, um, we haven't seen James act, and we know his history is violent towards animals, which could be get more violence. But so far... What we see is two teenagers who have a lot that they're faced with. And uh, maybe we can just say a lot left to be desired in their home lives. Not that there's anything like necessarily wrong with James's per se, uh, other than it's just very clear it lacks, uh, you know, mothering force, uh, nurturing for something. This kid has long had a very uh, apathetic leading to violent, you know, history. So there's something missing, and it's much more obvious in her story. There's something missing for both of them in their lives, period, and especially in their nurturing home lives. So um, they've... Very simply also painted the this image of school as being a place that totally sucks, you know, with the repeat of the kid getting smacked by the bullies and just sort of 
So this this notion of like there's no way to hide where to hide here, like their lives suck. Yeah, absolutely. And I can identify with parts of that for sure. I can remember being in high school and the uh, the less enjoyable parts of you know sort of navigating social hierarchy and bullying and all these things that we didn't even necessarily have the language to understand fully at the time. And I'm sure in this story, you know, that's a large part of it is um, a picture of, yeah, a couple of kids who are at least feeling and in their reality and reality really, you know, perception is reality so much for us, especially as we're young and learning the world, their reality sucks and no one cares for them. Truly, you know, we really conveyed that. And I think that helps a lot, especially as you're saying, you know, her story, uh, starting to have some emotional investment, at least in, in her and what maybe she can help with like their story. And, um, Yet at the same time, <laughs> she's convinced him to punch his dad and steal his car. And <laughs> yeah, and they did. They definitely did their due diligence on his backstory to give you an idea of what's going on with him to a certain degree, whether it's this relationship with his father, who's more of like trying to be a buddy and not really like here for his emotional journey or whatever's going on with him. And then the scene on the on the swing, the bench swing, right, that he used to be on with his mom. Yeah. That was pretty powerful overall. And then this idea that he's not talking about anything. Like everything lives internally for him and he's not expressing yeah. it to anyone in the world. And he's just having these sort of sicko thoughts. Yeah, and the the scenes when she comes back home with him are so telling, right? And the hmm. the dad, his initial reaction and just, oh, yeah. I just, I assumed he was, must have been gay, you know? And, and then it's her- really squirmy. That scene was very squirmy. And, squirmy and her reactions, you know, her responses, especially in that scene and moment are so poignant and so cutting and so- just aware and you get these really self-aware, poignant, cutting, almost painful revelations and reflections and comments from them, especially her. And then you have the contrast of his dad, this, you know, completely out of touch kind of buddy buffoon and her home life, which is just horrible from Terrible. the mom's neglect and literally seeing it but ignoring it to the ultimate cringy scene with her new stepdad where you're just not even sure if he's not going to just full-on grope her and then, you know, oh. gives her the lower back touch and just really visceral it's a very visceral show once again it's a very uncomfortable show it absolutely is and uh i watched with my partner 
And she likes to, or I should say, she covers her eyes. She doesn't like to watch a lot of, um, you know, sort of scary to suspenseful moments. And while she wasn't necessarily covering her eyes through a lot of this, she was very tense through it. And it's not necessarily what she goes for. Yet at the same time, it's really caustically funny and compelling pilot. Uh, it still had her totally enthralled and even laughing at some of the moments. I mean, some of the moments, especially, you know, Alyssa's behavior and retorts and, um, yeah, just, the diner scene. Yeah, the diner funny. scene and, um, just really are funny in that breaking the so <laughs> and yeah, tense her, and suspenseful, you know, her reaction to his that. house, the architecture of his house, I thought was a very funny moment when they were walking in. Yeah. Yeah. And you really feel it too. Like as she's <laughs> saying, there's too many windows. I yeah. just couldn't help but thinking, yeah, like there really are. It doesn't look like a house. Looks like it should be an office or something else. Like, yeah, it's, she's right. And then you go inside, and it's actually it's a really charming, simple, um, flat, you know, design. It it's also really, really well shot. And um, my partner also commented that it was borderline Wes Anderson in how yeah. artistic and um, you know Wes Anderson sometimes described as being too cutesy or twee and how everything's so artistic. This didn't go there at all. It was more, um, felt more honest to the setting, but it was very beautiful in sort of a more stark um, and simple uh, way. Even the costume design felt really artistic in its simplicity, I guess, to me. Um, and I on the rewatch was able to, you know, pay a little closer attention to some of those things. Um, but yeah, they're very simple wardrobe, you know, decisions made in this. Um, even the way that she puts on the black and whites and then is briefly at this weird party before she leaves so that she shows up now in this, outfit and immediately takes off her shirt. You know, it's just very interesting um, and feels very intentional, all the things, though not elaborate, um, certainly not a lot of, you know, money spent on costume set design. Um, but yeah, just very to the point and seemingly very intentional. Yeah, it's a good analogy. The Wes Anderson sort of genre and look and feel and that's with the music and some of the slowdown shots a lot of the a lot of the flashbacks and that's i don't know if it was the darkness the dark the black humor that connected me to harold mod and the kind of um cinema from the 70s that i think had a big influence on wes anderson obviously and and yeah. Um, but tying in Wes is good in sort of a modern sort of visual influence for this show, for sure. Yeah. Um, especially that Rushmore and, and that sort of youth inner monologue 
against the system sort of tempo yeah and style in addition to just visually what you're talking about with the trees and the sort of yeah. serenity of the locations yeah there's a such a somber serenity mm. um just a very like kind of quiet sadness um and especially yeah that that shot of james's house and um you know some of the some of the more just local um obviously the the shot of sort of the party you know before she leaves up on the balcony shows like a little little more of the uh you know opulence uh, and affluence within that setting as well um but yeah certainly as it as it goes to James's house and as we kind of leave this pilot um there's a a somberness that i think begets the story and the the dark brooding nature and as you said you may not have uh you may not have kept watching maybe because it was so short you would have watched the next one but we will certainly continue watching to see where where the story uh where the mood goes and um as it's set up and we're introduced you know to these characters in the beginning I I like the way that they introduce each of them separately mm. and they do that little overlap of time. And I think that gives us enough um, sort of tying them together and bringing like the idea of that the story is this collision of these two uh, very fascinating different forces and uh the adventure they have um i think we can at least hope that you know Alyssa's still living and breathing through these next two episodes to <laughs> keep the story so. going and later um, um that's a good i'm glad you pointed that out because it was uh a very interesting device that they used to intro the two of them yeah. out of the same moment in time that was that lunch scene at the school and playing with it. I thought that was incredibly original. And and just get back to that scene at her family's house was that whole sequence was really well done and really creepy and how initially you thought the mom wanted her there because she was like a part of the family, but really it was like she was like help, like catering help. And not allowed to eat the food, but had to like pass it out. And there was another odd connection to an influence of, which may or may not have been a British film, but it, for some reason in my mind, sort of has a similar notes. But that film from the 70s, it's super creepy. Uh, Flowers in the Attic, mm. where like the kids get like, the, the father dies and the mother moves in with the, with her with the grandmother, right, and is moving on, and the kids are like not acknowledged anymore, or like seen as mm. as good. So she, there was sort of that sort of vibe going on for her, and then they really just like push, like that sequence just pushes and pushes the the awkward, horrible feeling for her to that final moment when or climactic moment, right, when she's 
semi-groped by her stepfather and completely witnessed by the mother and is left with this like feeling of being like, she's going to blame me and I'm, I'm just like alone in this situation where there's no justice here for me. And there's no, it, 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 again, yeah, very, very, very bleak sort of situations. And then with them back at his house in the backyard on that, that bench swing, the tranquility of that, I think they showed sort of what they were looking at in his backyard from time to time. And it was beautiful and peaceful. Beautiful, yeah. And so the juxtaposition of all these things, what's swirling in his head, what's what what her experience is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall very very interesting, intriguing, and powerful pilot that draws on so many different influences, but in and of itself um had a lot of creativity and original moments bringing these characters together and every character every little minor character you write was was very thought out was very carefully dressed was very carefully written yeah from the like yeah the waitress to the lady walking down the street like everyone was just very specific very specific and they're very carefully and seemingly intentionally giving us something different and Every moment, you know, that we might be able to actually sort of pigeonhole this or say like, yeah, it's just like this or it's right. it's another British teen drama that, you know, blah, 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 right? It completely changes. And so we get, first we think it's about a psycho killer, right? Like just like your sort of first impressions and... Um, then we realize, wait a minute, maybe not exactly, right? And then she is so overtly interested and throwing herself at him and then at times overtly sexual. And he, we have no idea if he's interested, what's going on with him at all. Um, it's just a very fascinating way that they touch on, they draw from different tropes, different influences, yet they create something really unique and really visceral. And you alluded, you know, and talked a little bit about the dark humor. And I think there's just, yeah, as we were both saying, some really, really funny, caustically and otherwise really funny moments that come out of that. And the tension creates even more explosive comedy sometimes. And I loved, you know, some of the moments with Alyssa and then also some of the moments of just hearing James's inner dialogue and monologue and the um, when she asked him, have you ever eaten pussy before? And he was like, you've got to appear confident. And, you know, we like hear his whole inner monologue and then we hear him actually talk. And um, it's amazing what they're doing, just really drawing on some really cool things uh, and combining them into something completely new and just really doing so much in such a short time. And to that all right, you point... Got, all right, you got me excited. I'm excited to watch <laughs> two and three now. 
That yes. Is, you swung me in this episode. So looking forward to two and three. And awesome. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm hoping that everyone is. And we have now talked about this pilot for more time than any of it even ran, <laughs> which is awesome. So we know that there really is a lot to dive into. And I'm, like I said, excited to watch more and dive into this show because it is almost more or even as compelling to talk about a show where we don't both just get right into it, um, feel similarly because there's more to talk about sometimes. And this one is not long episodes, not long seasons. You know, it's not once you're in it and had you just been binging or in a moment to binge, you might have watched the whole first season because it is really like a breeze once you get into it. So I'm hoping everyone gets into two and three and we continue. But as you know, in our new format, we're going to start with two and three come back and talk about those and see how Steve feels then. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, friends. And join us next time we talk about episodes two and three from season one of The End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.